0: We go. We are um, starting a new series called "That's What He Said," and some play on words. "That's What She Said," "That's What He Said." You, you may have seen that if you've got teenagers or you under. 40. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, you anyway, know, we, we decided we were going to do this series. But this series actually started about 18 months ago. We went on a, a journey around leadership and, and how do ladies fit into it from the Bible's point of view. And, and we, we started looking at the theology of women in church, and uh, we're not going to speak about that. Just if you, We're not going to cause a fight. We're not going there. We're not going to speak about that. But, but after we started that journey, um, I got invited to speak at a ladies' conference with 2,000 ladies. Which is scary, it's very scary, it's especially scary for me, um, because as my wife keeps telling me, my understanding of how ladies work is fairly limited. She, she kind of, she, she helps me understand that my IQ when it comes to ladies is just very, very low. And, and, she, and she, she blames it on being Zimbabwean mostly, uh, that I, I grew up, and when I went to braise, the, the ladies were over there making salad, and the men were over there brying. How many of you, just be honest, how many of you grew up in that kind of setting and you're emotionally defunct when it comes to this. Yeah, okay, well done. Uh, anyway, I, I grew up in, in that kind of environment, and, um, and then I went to boarding school, which, which actually increases your stupidity. It's, it shouldn't be possible, but it just makes you daughter. Um And then I became a pastor, and it's quite scary. So, so for me to get up in front of ladies and speak to 2,000 ladies was a, was a scary moment, you must understand. It was just lady speakers in the front row and Ross. I was, I was scared. And, and so I started praying. I, I prayed a lot. I prayed more than I normally speak And uh, before I speak. And, and I, I prayed and I said, God, you've got to give me a word for this. And the name of the conference was Eliferous, which everybody knows the meaning of that. Hey? So I looked it up. I Googled it just like you would. And, uh, and, and I looked it up and it means having wings. And so just before I'm get, about to get up to speak, I feel the Holy Spirit put it onto my heart. And he says this. Russ, men in the church have been praising women for their beauty and not their strength. And the result is that they're pouting their feathers instead of flying with their wings. And so I got up and I said, ladies, I told them the word and I said, I I just want to say sorry. Sorry for not speaking your strength over you. Sorry, because you're the ones who we go to when we've made a mess of our lives and we need someone to give us the strength to get back up because you're cleaning up. You've been cleaning up our mess since, since we were born. You, you keep cleaning our mess. You're the safe place that we go to and we haven't said thank you. We haven't affirmed your strength. And we haven't affirmed your strength because you ladies are the one who've, who've been fathering and mothering this nation because we dropped the ball and we want, I wanna say sorry. And I said, ladies, you are strong and you are beautiful. So turn to another lady and say, you are hot and you are strong. <laughs> and after that, they loved me. And, uh, and I could actually preach. It was, it was wonderful. But uh, I'm going to speak today, not so much on, um, on how we how we see men, how we see women. But I wanna to speak today and, and throughout this series on how we interact and how we engage. Because we're different. Don't know if anyone's noticed, we're different. And by the way, I walked into my, my daughter's room yeah, about two nights ago and I saw this, no boys allowed, written on her bed frame. And I just went, Jesus, may that stay until she's 30. It was just one of those beautiful moments. And, uh, but but uh, this, <laughs> I really am going to preach a message. But the, this last week, I, I was um, there's this tree in our garden that uh, that keeps blocking the sun from the from the grass, so, so the grass can't grow. So I, so I decided um, that I was going to cut it down. And and what someone with higher IQ would have done is called in a specialist. But what I did was got a ladder and uh and I had a chainsaw and a ladder and, and so I decided I was gonna climb the tree and I asked my kids to hold the bottom of the lattice because it was an extended ladder so that it didn't break. And um and I started cutting but I've watched the YouTube videos so if you're going to cut a tree watch a few YouTube videos so that you can see how badly it can go wrong so I'd watched the YouTube videos and I knew you had to cut from the top down not from the bottom up and, and I, I kind of got this waxed and so I start cutting and I stop and I cut a little bit more and I stop and then I pushed it down and the branch goes like this and it swings and I just see my kids bolting the ladder's like shaking like this and then I look and I see, I see my wife If you've ever doubted women's strength, just threaten the kids' lives with a tree branch (laughs) because you didn't call a specialist. And she came out roaring. And I cowered and said, sorry, baby. And then I kept cutting. (laughs) And I chopped and chopped and chopped, and it was only when the second branch, not even the first branch, when the second branch hit the ladder, whilst I was holding onto the tree for dear life and chainsaw like this, when when that happened, I decided, call a friend. (laughs) Call a friend. And so anyway, I come down, and and I'm standing at the bottom, and, and my wife, she comes up to me and she says, just tell me why. Why do you have to do these things? Why are you like this? This is what she says to me. And I thought about it for a moment. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm emotionally about four. But maybe. <laughs> just maybe it's just because I'm a guy. And I just want to prove to myself that I've got what it takes. And I can't even explain why that thing happens to me and I'm so sorry that it happens to me but it happens to me almost on every other day. I do something dwarf just to prove I've got what it takes and I hope you're not watching because I don't want to get into trouble but I just have to do it because I'm a guy because I'm different. My wife, yesterday I've been putting blooming shelves up and shelves up and shelves up and she's smiling and I'm hating it and shelves up and, and up until now she's had um. She had the dust inside her emotions during the renovation. You know what that's like, like the dust has got inside. And anyway, she unpacks the last box. And she smiles and she looks at me and she says, Babe, I'm so happy, I feel like I'm making home. You know, I've never heard a guy say, I'm making home. <laughs> We're different, is my point. And this is an important point because... Because most men have been using their different to win. We use our different, instead of to serve, we use our different to win, to compete, to beat. If you look at the world and how it's been made up, it's a series of people finding what they're strong at and what you're weak at and how I can use my strength to exploit your weakness so that I can win. And you look throughout scripture and you see this. You see from Genesis, from Adam, we get to Genesis chapter four and Lamech takes two wives. And then we, we keep going through scripture and you see rape and you see murder. And it's, just, it's not just men on women, it's men on men. It's men on different tribes and, and different contexts. And there's this abuse of strength. Using my strength to take. And it's not just men it's way more men than women, but you also see it with a woman. You also see, as you, you go through Scripture, you see Lot's daughters getting Lot drunk and then, so that they can fall pregnant, and that gets all messed up. And then you see, as you, as you look further through Scripture, you see Delilah with Samson, and you, you keep going, you see Jezebel. You, you see moments of women using their strength to manipulate or shift men. We, we use strength, as humankind, we use strength to abuse. And so what's happened in the world, and this is just a quick social commentary, is that the world has looked at how mankind has abused and the world is going, enough. The Me Too movement, it was the world going, enough. Black Lives Matter, enough. Pay back the money, very much, Enough. Something in the consciousness of society has, has gone enough abuse. And then what Sati's what tried to do, and I, I understand this, in fact, you actually see this in the Bible in, in Acts chapter 6, where the, the Greeks, Greek widows are getting less than the Jewish widows, is they, they push. The, the scale towards the Greeks instead of pushing it towards the Jews. But what the world's tried to do in order to say enough and change the rules is they've tried to go, how do we legislate so that people will change? So we, we bring in things like be, and we, we bring women into every aspect of leadership. And, and I'm, I'm not against this stuff. I think it's actually good. We, we bring in every single form that we can to legislate to kind of make it equal for everyone. It's what we've been doing. I want to say there is a better way. It's not using your strength to compete. It's using your strength to complement, and that's where we're going to go today. But, But what's happened throughout this last kind of century is that we've started to focus not on on having some really strong and some really weak, but trying to make everything the same. But the truth is God made us so different that the legislation often doesn't work. God made us different. He made us male and He made us female. We're not the same. God made us different. It was God who confused the languages and created different cultures. And one day in heaven we will all come and we will all sing in many tongues and languages and be incredible. But God made it different. And God made it different in that one person got one talent and one got three and one got five. It's not fair. And the world's kind of going, I want it to be fair and I want it to be fair. But it's not. And so the Bible doesn't call us to make it fair. The Bible calls us to take our strength and complement one another. Now, the problem with that is that the world works on competition. You see, competition makes me better when I'm competing, you're playing a touch rugby game, and then you get to the end and you say, first to five, suddenly the level just goes. Shoo. Because competition, it causes me to fight harder. It causes me to rise up more. It causes me to train harder. I get up early in the morning to compete. Everything about me was that when I'm into competition mode and I'm a competitive person, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to win. I hate losing. And competition it makes us better in business. It makes us better at sport, it makes, oh, sport. 16-16, it was a win, hey, we, that was just good. Competition, it, it drives, even though the ref cheated, we still won, 16 was a win, I'm using. Competition drives us so much further forward but in relationship, competition kills. You see, you know what will happen with the Springboks? They, they won yesterday, they drew. They, what would have happened is sometime today, they would start the process of competition. They will start critiquing, and they'll start to go, Genshees, you had a blinder. Pimpy, please stay on the wing. Stop coming in. And, and they'll start to critique what happened. And then... By about Wednesday, you'll see the articles coming out comparing. So last week, they were comparing Itzebeth and Mustard to Riddick and the other dude, and, and, and they, they, they were starting to compare. They should have compared Riddick to, oh, yes, because he flattened. Anyway, boy jokes. <laughs> they start comparing. And then by Saturday, they're ready to compete again. Now, the reason they do that is when you critique, you can get better. When you compare, you can work out how you're going to fight this thing. And, and it sets you up to compete. But unfortunately, what we do is we bring that thinking into relationships. You ever been in a relationship where you feel like you're being critiqued? Where you feel like she's looking at you and she's kind of going, You do that pretty well, you do that quite badly, you're not very good there, you need to work on it. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you're being judged in this relationship? You've been critiqued. And then from being critiqued, oh, I'm coming after you now. From being critiqued, you ever felt this in marriage? You go to comparing? If you were just like Bob, Bob wakes up early in the morning, helps me with the kids, then he goes to work, he makes more money than you, he comes home, he plays with the kids, and then he's fully involved at night and makes supper. If you were just like Bob, you were just like Jane, Jane's like, she works hard, she smiles all the time, she's never upset, hair's always perfect, she works, takes the kids, brings them back, makes a more money, she, she's just a machine. If you were just like Jane, the older people are quiet because they've had this conversation. You know what you're doing? In your comparison, you're actually trying to control. Because if I can compare Amy to Jane, maybe that will get into her, and if it hooks her, and if it gets into her, and she's not based and grounded on the Word of God, she will try to be a little bit more like Jane, and then I'll get Jane and Amy, but God didn't make her to be Amy and Jane. God made her to be Amy, and until I can celebrate Amy, I'm going to die in the process of marriage. Competition: Don't pretend it's not happening in relationships. It's happening left, right and center, and the Word of God wants to set you free today. In fact, I was so happy I'd finished preparing my message on Thursday. This never happens. Then Saturday about four o'clock, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Wrong scripture." <laughs> if you got your Bibles, Matthew 16:21, it says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. You read that scripture, you've got to go, what is going on in Peter's brain that he thinks he can rebuke God? Like, why, why is he? What's going on? Let me tell you. Peter is a leader. Peter is a winner. Peter is competitive. And every single competition Jesus got into, he won. When he goes to sickness, he wins. When he goes to demon-possessed people, he wins. Demon gets cast out. When he goes to the storm, he wins the fight. He speaks. The storm dies down. Wherever Jesus goes, when he's in an argument, he wins against the Pharisees. Everywhere he goes, Jesus wins, 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 wins. And Jesus gets to this moment and he goes, I need to lose this one. And to competitive people, when you decide to throw in the towel, it feels worse than death. You competitive people, amen. There's one thing that you cannot do if you're a competitive person, is just throw in the towel. You would rather die fighting than just lose. But in Jesus' mind, he's going, this fight, the only way I win this fight is by losing. In Peter's mind, he's going, we can't do this. We've got to fight, Jesus. You've lost your hearse. What are you doing? Then Jesus does something painful he turns to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I don't know if you've ever wondered about this, but Judas betrayed Jesus, and Jesus gave him a kiss. Peter tries to save Jesus, and Jesus gives him the biggest smack he's ever had in his life. You've got to ask yourself, what was going on? See, the difference between Judas and Peter is that Jesus had opened his heart to Peter. Peter was intimate with Jesus. Jesus shared his emotion with Peter. Peter was close. And the thing about being close to someone is that when you're close to someone, you can pull them. And Jesus knew Judas couldn't pull him, but Peter could pull him. And so Jesus speaks to the very thing that would derail him. And he says, you are being like Satan because you're putting the desires of the flesh before the desires of God. And he straightens him. And then Jesus says these words to hurt us all. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I want to say this to some of you. God wouldn't have shifted my message if this wasn't for a bunch of you. You have to learn to lose. You've got to learn to lose. Because the only way you'll keep that marriage is if you lose. The only way you're gonna keep some of those relationships is if you're gonna lose. The only way that kid's gonna come back and be with you when when you're 60 or 70 or 80 is if you start losing. The only way your company is gonna go to the next level is if you start losing. If you want to win, there are some fights, some days that you have to just go, I have to lose. You see, people don't get this. We want to win in our flesh. We want to win because it makes us feel good and it makes us feel strong and it makes us feel like we're making a difference. But there are moments in God where you just have to start losing. You have to take your strength and not use it to dominate, but take your strength and use it to give. And you will hurt and you will lose. But what I've realized is that when I am weak, then he is strong. You see, the thing about most people is that they want to have this inspiring, on-fire, joyful life with God. But they don't want to lose. See, if if you want the Spirit of God working powerfully in your life, this is what I've realized. You have to go, I can't satisfy myself whenever I want, however I want, with whoever I want. I, I can't live for me and have more of him. And some of you, you need to lose. You, you need to give up. You need to lose early in the morning in winter cold days and read your scriptures. You need to lose in that fight that you're having with a spouse or that fight you're having with a friend. You, some of you, you just need to lose And you need to push into the power of Christ because when Jesus modeled it, he goes, I've won, I've won, I've won, I've won. Change of season, I need to lose. And I'm gonna use all my strength to lose. And then God will raise me up. I read this scripture. And that scripture about when I'm weak, then I'm made strong. You know, Paul says, he says, three times I beg God, take this thing away from me. And God said to him, no, when you're weak, you're strong. Church, some of you have come in here today and you're in a fight. And you think the way you're going to win is by fighting. And I feel like God's saying, the way you're going to win this is by losing. You need to lay it down and let me strengthen you up. I will make you strong. And this will hurt, but I will take you through it and you will survive and you will be stronger and you'll enter into the power of God and you'll lose the power of self and you will be a different person on the other side. And Someone here today needs this word. I'm gonna wrap this up in prayer. Shortest sermon you've had in years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some worship here. If this was for you, I don't want to embarrass you. But that thing of making a physical step, making a physical step and expecting God to spiritually meet you where you're at, to be really brave, and just stand up and just go, I need to lose so that God can make me strong. If that's you, why don't you just stand? Why don't you stand? Well done, well done, well done. Not bad, not, bad. not bad. I want to say to some of you, when I was in the hardest part of my marriage, people would come to me and they'd say, Russ, if you, if you just, they were basically saying, if you just lose, you're going to get it back and more. And man, I wanted to punch them in the face. I have so much more because I lost. Me, you're just losing but you're not you're about to get your life back so Jesus as they come to surrender I pray Lord God that you begin to move by your Holy Spirit on people's lives you begin to grab hold of people who are actually so tired that they can't fight anymore Lord God I thank you that as they surrender they, they leave their own strength and they come into yours Jesus, I thank you that you led the charge and you lost on the cross so that you could win us. I thank you, God, that there will be a resurrection power released of every person who stands and some of those who sit, who haven't got the courage right now, whose faith isn't quite there, Lord, I thank you that you're gonna grab hold of their hearts and you're gonna shift them. And Lord, I just pray that we'll be known as a church. Who's prepared to lose when you ask us? We're going to stand, we're going to sing a song of surrender. As you just let this word kind of drift into your heart.
1: You can have it all, Lord. Every part. can have it all.
0: thank you that when we choose surrender, we actually choose your power. And so we surrender ourselves to you, God, and we ask for your power to fill our hearts and fill our minds and fill our spirits. In the name of Jesus Christ.